Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Do you have your Bibles tonight? Very good. All right, we're going to be opening up in Psalm 139. And uh, <laughs> real quick, it's so funny. Matt, Pastor Matt always tells me of this guy that he met <laughs> that used to call it Psalms instead of Psalms. Just thought that's funny. So Psalms 139, that's what we're going to be reading from. Um, another thing, did anyone enjoy last weekend? The last weekend's message is just so good. Pastor Matt completely crushed it. And I was encouraged by part two of the, his community word, his message. And uh, it's so funny how God works because earlier today I was actually given the opportunity to kind of outwork that a little more. If you weren't there in church last weekend, you should come. I would highly encourage you to come because it was amazing. But he was talking about community and how important it is and building up people, the importance of building up people, not tearing them down, encouraging them, and speaking life. So I was going to Nalu's for lunch earlier today. And, you know, as you do, that's probably my favorite place to eat besides Chipotle because I just love Mexican food. But so I went to Nalu's. I was actually just, you know, chatting with the guy that was working there. And he randomly asked me if I had seen the movie I Can Only Imagine. And I was like, no, I haven't. I've heard about it. I know the song pretty well. I've sung it, you know, in the past. But I definitely want to watch the film. He's like, yeah, I would highly encourage you to, to watch it. It reminded me a lot about my relationship with my dad. And there was, you know, there was a little bit of a gap in silence. And I could tell that it was a soft point for him. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, um, why, why were you able to relate so much? And he just said that he never really had a good relationship with his, his dad. And uh, is, it's still a struggle to him today. But in that moment, I really felt like God was calling me to just encourage him real quick. And I said, hey, no matter what the relationship looks like, there's still hope. And I said, you need to remember that there's still hope. And it's simple, but it's true. There's always hope. And I said, you know, hard conversations aren't always easy to have, but they're necessary. And things get better when you, when you face confrontation and you decide to talk, to care enough to talk. There's power in that. And I said, things can get better you know, when you communicate, and I'm going to be praying for you. And that's all I said, really, but I could tell it meant the world to him. And you know what's crazy? I really want us to get this as a community of young adults. It took the same amount of effort for me to encourage him than for me to potentially beat him down and not encourage him. It takes the same amount of time. It's your choice. It's our choice to either encourage him or to not speak life and discourage someone takes the same amount of time so let's choose to speak life amen as a community let's choose to speak life build people up cheer them on from the bleachers and just come alongside people and it really doesn't take that much effort and you know what it actually blesses you in the process too but I'm rent I'm just going on and on sorry I just felt like I needed to encourage all of you guys um, but let's really take that on as a community of young adults. All right, cool. So let's read together. Psalms 139, starting in verse 1. It says, 
You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You, you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to untain. Where can I go from your presence or your spirit? I love that. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this time right now that we have to read your word together because there's power in it. And I don't ever want to get tired of praying that because there really is power in your word, God. Things change. Things shift in the atmosphere when your word is read. And we thank you for that truth. And we commit this time to you right now, Lord. And we pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, tonight, if you're taking notes, I want to preach a message entitled, God's Relentless Pursuit. So we've been talking about this whole time how, how we can better pursue God in our lives. But I want to remind us tonight as we finish up this series that God actually pursues us too. It's a beautiful promise. But what do we see in this first scripture? First we see David. He's touching on the omnipresence of God, which is the state of God being everywhere at all times. But I'm really encouraged by this passage because what do he say? He says, God, you have searched me and you know me. So there is immediately this idea that God has actively sought us out because he literally knows everything about me, the good and the bad. And he's still okay with you, the good and the bad. He knows where I am at all times. Therefore, he knows everything I do. My sitting down, when I rise, you know, are going out and are laying down. You keep watch over us. But I love the last part because that's what I really want to focus on tonight is where can I run from your presence? I want to tell you tonight that, that he actually pursues us with his presence. His presence is here and, and is at work. And all it takes is for us to acknowledge him. No matter what season we are in, he pursues us and is with us through it all. You know, as, as, as I was um, preparing this message, I immediately thought of a painting by Michelangelo. And I was trying to get enough time to actually put the picture up for you, but I didn't have a chance to get it. But I will describe it to you, and I encourage you to look at it later on. But Michelangelo, he created a painting, a fresco painting, which is basically using watercolors and painting on wet plaster. So you have to do it quickly, which is mind-boggling to me because the painting is, there's so much detail in it. It looks beautiful. But he's painting while standing up on scaffolding in 1509. I think he started on it. And he started creating this beautiful picture of the creation of Adam. And I've been really encouraged by it. And it's just a beautiful painting. And we see 
this interaction between Adam and God. And on the right side, you see, I love that <laughs> he um, paints a picture of God as like a muscular, like old wise guy, like super wise, you could tell. And he has like a long gray beard and like tons of muscles, like biceps on biceps. It's just a great, I was like, yep, that's what God would look like in my eyes. But he's reaching out, right? And he's reaching out to who? Adam on the other side. And Adam, the beautiful thing about that is Adam is actually reaching out too. His hand is lowered a little bit more, but he is reaching out in a similar way. But they, their fingers don't touch. But what's really, really cool about that is obviously this is a beautiful picture that's on display of Genesis, the book of Genesis, talking about when God created Adam and Eve when he set humanity into motion. But I'm really encouraged by this because it's also such a beautiful picture of how God pursues us. He didn't have to go out of his way to create us, but he wanted to. He didn't need us. He wanted us. He wanted us to, to, to be alive and enjoy life. And I'm encouraged by this, this picture it's just so inspiring to me. But he actually pursues us with his presence. And I'm just constantly reminded of just those two hands that are drawn to each other. And that alone, just the hands, is a beautiful picture of, of how we are made in God's image and likeness. Adam's doing the same thing as God. And it's just so cool. But tonight, if, if you're taking notes, I would love to give you a few handles that we can take on just to remember that God is actually pursuing us and he has been for a long time. So for, for starters, if you're, if you're taking notes, first point tonight is we've been pursued from the beginning. Very simple, but very true. We've been pursued from the beginning. I love what it says later on in Psalms 139, starting verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. What is that saying to us tonight? That before we ever had the intelligence or the awareness to know about God or of our existence, God was already pursuing us. That's so encouraging to me. He knitted us in our mother's womb. How amazing. How, like, who wouldn't want to know about a heavenly father that cared so deeply about you before you even were aware of him? I think that's just so cool. And the painting is just a beautiful picture of that. Like I said earlier, just focus on the hands. But he's pursuing us. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of Joseph in the Bible, in Genesis specifically. And Joseph, he went through ups and downs. Tim was talking about ups and downs. Like, t Joe actually, my boy Joe, he went through ups and downs. Like, for real, though. Like, he was going through some pretty heavy stuff. I would encourage you to read that whole, that whole story. It's, it's very, very encouraging and good. But I'm going to attempt to just do an overview of that story because I can't not talk about it. I have to. It's just so good. It's too good. But Joseph... He's got lots of other brothers, right? And 
his father, Israel, really favored him out of all the other brothers because he was born out of, you know, his parents' old age. So he loved him. His dad loved him very much. So he decided that he would give um, him an actual robe of his. And none of the other brothers had one, and they were really jealous. So they're just like, wow, okay, cool. So he gets a robe, and I don't. And yeah, actually, that's how it's going to go. And they didn't really like it. So after that, um, he actually has a dream later on. Joseph has a dream, a God-given dream. And basically that dream is that he would one day rule over his brothers. And he had the audacity to tell his brothers, and his brothers hated him even more because of it. But later on, the brothers were like, okay, you know what? We should probably just kill him. I think that's, that's, a, good, that's a good option. Let's do it. And then they later decide, instead of killing him, let's just throw him in a cistern, a well. So he's thrown in the well, and then they go, ah, oh, never mind. I'm going to pull him out and sell him as a slave and get some money. Might as well. <laughs> so he becomes a slave. But he goes through all of these things, but God's favor was still on him the whole time. And we see that through this story. So every s- single valley that he goes through, God is still there with him in his favor. And wherever Joseph goes, he's still doing well. Even in jail. He was in jail one time. And then he got like ranks to like uh, a prison guard somehow. But he's still in jail technically. And he was given like responsibility in the jail because he had favor with God. And then he eventually got out of jail because they found out he could interpret dreams. Pharaoh liked that. And then he became Pharaoh's right-hand man. God's favor was with him. And the bro- I get, I'm assuming the brothers didn't really know where he was at this time because they didn't even recognize him. When there was a famine in the land, they didn't even recognize him when they came to Egypt to get food. He was the only person that had food around there. And they came. He immediately knew who they were. But he didn't reveal who he was until later on. And I want to just read the last bit of Genesis chapter 50 and what he says to his brothers. It's really, really cool. So Genesis 50, starting in verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So he was speaking to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good the whole time. God's favor is on your life. God's favor was on his life, and he's on, it's on your life too. He's pursuing you. God was pursuing him with his presence. He was making himself known in his life. And he does that for you too. So be encouraged. Be encouraged tonight. Everything he went through was to show the goodness of God, not, not evil. I'm, I'm also thankful that he pursues us with his presence. So he has pursued us from the start. And then secondly, we've been pursued by his love. We've been pursued by his love. He actually pursues us with his love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved. He did this so that 
we might have a relationship with the living God. I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Who wouldn't want to know about a heavenly father that cared so deeply about you before you were even aware of him? He first loved us. He pursues us with his love. With his love. It's just so, so encouraging. He pursues us with his presence through that whole process. We see it in Luke 15 as well. Jesus told them this parable. Starting in verse 4, it says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's the ones that have already been saved. He cares about the one, friend. We sang about it earlier, reckless love. He'll leave the 99 for me. When we wander off, he pursues you. He cares about you, friend. He cares enough to pursue us when we've wandered away from the flock. All because of his love. I love that last verse. It explains it pretty, pretty clearly. Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Let's realize that we serve a God that loves us deeply goes through the trouble to seek after the lost. Amen? Amen? He pursues us with his love. I wonder if you know how much he loves you tonight. I do. I wonder if, if you realize how his love is without conditions, without borders, that it's unwavering for you, that it's reliable, that his thoughts for you out, outnumber the grains of sand on, on the shore. He doesn't need to have a relationship with us, but he wants one with us. Amen? Amen. We live life with this, if we could re- live life with this revelation, I believe things could, could really change. That we would be able to see new sides of God. That we'd become more aware of how, how reliable this pursuit is in our lives, that God is actually pursuing us more than you realize. You receive that tonight? We serve a God that is relentless in pursuit for us. I'd love to pray for us. Let's just pray together. Jesus, we just thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. We never take it for granted that your spirit is alive and it's here in this place, God. And we consider it such an honor that you would pursue us. God, we realize that that we, we should pursue you through that process, but we thank you that you first loved, Lord and that you've pursued us from the start. And I pray that you would cause our roots to go deep, Lord, 
that we would hold fast to what you've said to us, God, in this place. God, we thank you for your reckless love. We love you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.org.